0: I don't believe it. You're Optimus Prime. He's Optimus Prime. We know. Yes, yes, yes. What is your name, soldier? Smokescreen, sir. Welcome to Earth, Smokescreen. It's an honor to be here. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with Justin Panic. It's Draft Week. Today we're going to be previewing the offensive tackle class, going through eight guys. Justin, it's smokescreen season. We're hearing Justin Herbert rumors. It was a, a crazy weekend.
1: How are you doing, man? Smokescreen season and uh, rumor season, and also fire alarm season. You'll get to you'll get to hear why in the second half of the show. Bobby, I'm 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 officially excited. You know, you know, last week I was on this whole thing, like eh, I kind of wanted to be over. But seamless segue into a promotion, I listened to a, a new podcast that you're a part of with uh, Jake Story Alley, Talking Jake, and Keith McPherson, the three of you. You rebranded Simple Man Radio and turned it into and Sports. It's about damn time that John Boy Media has a, just a regular old sports podcast. So three Oops. pretty good people, three pretty smart people, and you all did a mock draft.
0: Simple Man Radio wasn't rebanded. It died. Simple Man, Radio's oh. de- Simple Man Radio died, so we're talking sports so could live. Um, <laughs> very poetic. Th- Thaddeus Lewis uh, sent us a, a heartwarming message. All-time great Duke quarterback. That was that was very kind of him.
1: It was really nice of him.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know if everyone saw it, and people have no idea what's going on. Anyways, we talk. We started a podcast, and I had to get rid of all my old Simple Man Radio podcast stuff, which I used to do. Anyways. It was fun. Check it out. Go subscribe. Did a, a first-round mock draft with those guys.
1: But you doing that mock draft really got me. It's like, okay, there there's more happening in the NFL draft than if the Giants are going to pick an offensive tackle or Isaiah Simmons. And that kind of got me excited. Number one, thinking about, hey, the Giants don't need a quarterback, so I'm not going to be stressing and biting my nails over that. And uh, number two, it the, the draft is just fun. And just seeing there's a, the draft is very talented this year. And yes, the Giants don't need a quarterback, Bobby.
0: Are you sure though? Because we're Ian Rappaport reported that we're doing our due diligence on Justin Herbert. You know, everyone assumed that Galvin loved him last year because he went to one game. I mean, I don't know. Is is Justin Herbert an option at four?
1: Speculation, right? So this is speculation, and then also this conversation is speculation. I don't think John Mara would have would even if Dave Gunnellman approached John and said I really like Justin Herbert he's my guy I think we should consider taking him I think John Mayer would be like nope not having any of that cuz I just don't think that he that he would want this franchise to be just altered and flipped 180 like that
0: yeah it's not going to happen but I will say Justin I did play out the scenario like what if what if Justin Herbert is it's picked. You know what I'm saying? Like, is, is it like, okay, we're moving on from Daniel Jones. Is it a power play the trade? I don't know. It's, it was kind of crazy for a Monday. That being said, I do think trade down stuff is starting to seem a little more realistic um, now that we're getting closer. And what's nice about this virtual draft is that these guys are going to want to get stuff done a little earlier, I believe. So, I don't know. This might be the Lions, the Giants. I don't know. But I do think we're going to see a trade. By time five o'clock on Thursday,
1: and Dave Guttelman has been adamant in saying that he wants the trade to happen, like before we're on the clock. Like he doesn't want to be negotiating while the while the Giants are actually on the clock themselves. Uh, he's been adamant in saying that. So, this whole predicament and circumstance could be going to his advantage because, like you said, Bobby, something could get worked out. But we don't know. We don't know. It's it's fun. It's exciting. I, I'm getting the impression now, like now, based off of what he said this week, like before, I almost didn't believe like, oh, yeah, you know, we're open for business. The phones are open, blah, 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 blah. He has been adamant, uh, not, not being sarcastic about it. He's like, no, no, genuine, genuinely, the phones are open. And you need to think about where even if you have a gold. Now, this is. This is part of what he said during this draft preview that was open to regular season ticket holders. He was saying during that draft preview or during that interview where even if you see that you have a gold jacket player sitting there in front of you, you still do need to ask, is he worth taking at four? So there you go.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know what's going through his head. It's hard to find out most of the time. I think it's offensive tackle. I will say, Justin, I am really having like an internal battle on Isaiah Simmons versus offensive tackle. I think going back over Andrew Thomas the last couple of days has brought me back over there. But watching Isaiah Simmons last week and going through him and our conversation on him, man, it just – he does change what this – he changes what could happen for this defense. You know, he changes all kinds of things. He brings versatility. He makes other guys better. I don't know. I don't want to do the whole conversation right now, but I am – I. I haven't made a full decision. It's it's unbelievable how much I'm stressing over what I'm going to do and my mock draft that means absolutely nothing.
1: <laughs> Briefly and quickly, this is where I'm at. And I don't want you to forget Bobby. You know, we we feel for Nate Solder, you know, we we know the the circumstances that are surrounding him, they're not fully in his control, but don't forget how detrim- how much of a detriment he was to the football team in 2019. There is even a little bit of a take that I had thrown in there that there's a chance that Pat Shermer keeps his job as the head coach of this team if Nate Solder was somewhat of an average left tackle. There is a reality out there that does exist, in my opinion. So here's the line that I draw on the sand in terms of Isaiah Simmons versus tackle um, in the NFL draft. The New York football giants are closer in terms of their offensive unit to being a good to great unit on the offensive side of the ball compared to their compared to the defensive side of the ball. And what could make the New York Football Giants on the offensive side great is a tackle, possibly a left tackle for the future. Isaiah Simmons does not push that defensive side from bad to average. I don't they know. They need a lot man. more help than that.
0: They do, but it's like a year from now, going to be the best player on a good defense? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's 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 stressful. It's kind of frustrating. But I agree. When it get when you come down to it, it's like, and I've went through the scenario. Like, okay, what if we pick Isaiah Simmons? It's like, all right, then who are we putting up tackle? You know, are you are you going into this year with Cam Fleming or hoping Nick Gates is able to play tackle? And then I don't know. We we'll, we'll go through it later. But you know, you got the core four tackles. Then you got Josh Jones, who are high on. He's probably going to be gone. So you don't really have like a chance of getting a, a guy who's going to start year one. So we'll see. I don't know. Now, is, was there anything from this pre-draft Giants season ticket thing that I got access to, even though I'm not a season ticket holder, that, that sticks out to you, Justin?
1: I mean, I guess the things that were significant are the things that I tweeted about, so I can go through some of the tweets. Joe Judge was talking about the importance of like meetings during this unique time and during the spring, and he had a quote that said, extended exposure through longer meetings. That overall helps. So they are having longer meeting times through the spring. They normally wouldn't have these long meeting times because it would be split between on the field and the meetings. But the word that he used and as a sociology you know i'm 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 part sociology at school and i'm also part criminal justice so he used the word socialization and if joe judge wants to find more ways to impress me sign me up and start using start using vocabulary that's related to sociology he used the term socialization and he talked about how what is hurting the football team right now, and it's hurting all football teams, is that they're not getting that interpersonal relationship. And Sean O'Hara and Carl Banks were on the call with Joe Judge and Bob Papa. And Joe Judge was like, you know, Sean, Sean and Carl, you know what I'm talking about, how after practice, you go and you meet at the dining hall. Or after practice, you're going on the golf course, and you're golfing with your teammates, and you're talking. So he is making, one of the things that I like is that he is making sure that through whatever avenue was possible, whatever avenue that may be, the whole socialization pattern and effort, Joe judges emphasizing that throughout this offseason process, which I thought that is fascinating. Another word for socialization, I guess, in this case is, is team chemistry. And he's prioritizing that, which I think is kind of cool.
0: Addressing them all through Skype or whatever, it's got to be really weird. I wonder if he's calling them out by names yet, You know, if he's allowed to say their names in their meetings or it'll be like, hey, you and number eight. <laughs> Uh, what do you what do you do if you get cover two with a go route with a comeback on the X and I wonder if he's doing any of that. Um, what I thought was funny was Sean O'Hara telling Dave Gettleman that he wouldn't get any grief if they picked an offensive tackle. Like you don't <laughs> understand this fan base, Sean O'Hara. We love you, Sean, but you have to understand that he will get so much grief no matter no matter what he picks. He's going to get grief um, if it's offensive yeah. tackle. The Simmons the Simmons Simmons or Bus crowd is is going to freak out and if he goes uh Simmons the offensive tackle like we need to protect Daniel Jones at all costs crowd is going to freak out me I'm in the we're at four and that means we're going to get a really good player crowd so as as long as we don't do Derek Brown or actually pull Justin Herbert for the sake of him actually being our quarterback I think I'll be okay with what happened
1: another thing that Joe Judge was talking about and we were I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but I definitely was talking about it with Frank the Tank on Twitter when we were talking about Willie Gay Jr. and some of his suspension issues and the fact that he's from Mississippi State and Joe Judge has connections back at Mississippi State. And Judge was talking about how the connections him and his staff have with college programs have been beneficial during this draft process. And the quote was, you want someone to tell you the hard truth about a player and not just like, Uh, If you're contacting a random college coach, the college coach is going to have his guys back. So if we're talking about the benefits of having a coaching staff that may somewhat be a little inexperienced on the NFL level, and they're all coming from a lot of them are coming from the, the college level, it's beneficial here where it's like, hey, I know the offensive coordinator from this school. I have that connection. I was at this school a couple of years ago. We can call this guy, and we can get a good indication. And I know he'll give us an honest assessment on this player. And the Giants—I um, don't think it's honestly worth talking about. Oh, this is the, the these are the players that the Giants met with. But no, that even going back to the scouting combine, the Giants have been one of the teams that have met with the most players. They have done their due diligence with either in-person meetings when they could happen, or these virtual meetings with. I have to say, during Dave Gettleman's interview and during Dave Gettleman's time, I was extremely impressed with just how casual Dave Gettleman was just talking about, like, oh, tech, and he's like, these meetings have gone a lot better, you know, even though you want to touch a player. He did say that. That was an actual quote. Yeah, he said he wanted to touch a
0: player. That was funny. That was like the one, like, Dave Gettleman line. Did you see <laughs> our, our guy, JP, pulled up a tweet from 2014 that Gettleman's already done? He did t- the 2014 draft virtually through Skype.
1: Yeah. And that was like his best draft.
0: No, it wasn't. You're thinking of it. You must be thinking of like 2013. 2014 was Calvin Benjamin. Oh, they just have Trey Turner. Oh, that wasn't in it. star. Actually, it was... no, star was 2013. 2014 wasn't oh. horrible. Uh, it was Kelvin Benjamin. You had Trey Turner. I can't remember who it was second, but nonetheless, he he has done it. It is funny. Like, and we've talked about it on this show, Justin. Like, sports media people, they're just not very like funny i get like there's some computer jokes to be made about getting they're funny but it's sports media people they're just very unoriginal so they just make the like repeat the same jokes over and over again and the computer gettleman jokes are starting to get a little old when it's like this guy's not a moron you know what i'm saying like you may not agree with his philosophy philosophies but he's not an actual moron where he doesn't know how to like he didn't get to the gm of the carolina panthers and the new york giants and just be like oh uh, the computer uh do write everything on paper give me uh, a, a spiral notebook like he's not a moron like as much as some people can't stand him and you cannot like him and disagree with his philosophies he's not an actual idiot where he doesn't know how to use a computer
1: yeah I, overall it was just nice to hear that the process and what has been happening and how he's been approaching his day to day his new day to day business didn't seem like there were any problems. So that was nice to hear. And then the last thing that I want to share, no, there's two more things, two quick things. Daniel Jones calls Alex Tanney and Colt McCoy two older guys. He's excited to learn from two older guys, so I thought that was a burn. And um Jones Blake so Martinez. Boring. Blake Martinez shares a phrase he used back at Stanford. Intellectual brutality. That's like the way that he approaches playing linebacker. And I said, that's going to be the name of my second autobiography. Mm. And that's it.
0: Nice. I'm not going to read that book. How many times are we going to bring up the Blake Martinez home gym, by the way, too? Every time Blake Martinez is like, man, where'd you you get that gym? And then he explains me and my dad built it last year. And It's just every time Blake Martinez is like, speaking it's like whoa man did you build a gym like we've we've heard that story too many times i don't know man i'm, I'm starting to get a little loony it's it's draft season
1: also i pray i really do pray that espn nfl network for, for also just in case uh you're you're wondering what channel the nfl draft is going to be on it's going to be on abc nfl network and espn And it'll probably be on ESPN Eight the Ocho too, just in case you're wondering. But also, can we get these media people good microphones for crying out loud? Carl Banks sounded like he was in a cave. It was Joe Judge sounded the best, had the best audio quality out of all of them. The microphone that I've been using since I started podcasting. And I've given and I've given the same microphone to like three separate people, but I've been using the same one since I started podcasting. Fifty dollars. Fifty dollars. That's it.
0: I know $130, no big deal.
1: Can we get the media people who work for ESPN multi-billion dollar and then well technically it's Disney multi-billion dollar corporations? Can we get them good working microphones? I'm gonna pull my hair out on Thursday if Roger Goodell if it sounds like he's in a tunnel.
0: That's why you watch our live streams. We're gonna be better entertainment because we're used to this uh-huh. online. We're used to this online world. That's why you gotta tune into our our periscopes. Which we're gonna be. It's gonna be official. All we'll need is a whistle. Honestly, it's it's gonna be fun. Justin,
1: are we periscoping from the Talking Giants Twitter page, and then also the John Boy Media Twitter page? Are those John the Boy two Media places will that be we're on, going to be?
0: John Boy Media will be on Saturday, Thursday, Friday will be. From the Talking Giants page, maybe we'll get some guests in there to talk. Thursday will be us; it'll be the core four guys. And then I guess, I guess, let's since we got a couple minutes before we go to offensive tackle, let's do a little schedule. So today, the podcast is out. Obviously, Anthony's mock draft video is out. Check it out; it's on YouTube. Tomorrow, Danny will have a mock draft blog. And then Thursday is draft day. We'll, you know, we'll do some pre-draft talk, and then me and Justin are going to go through our mock drafts. Let's figure it out right now on the fly. Do you want to go live 30 minutes or forty-five minutes before the draft? Let's go let's do thirty-five minutes. I like thirty-five minutes. That's a good number. Thirty-five minutes. It'll be us two, Danny and Anthony. We'll be going. Uh, we'll be on par- the Talking Giants Periscope. Maybe we'll me and you, Justin, we'll figure out a way to do Instagram live too. And then once the draft starts, we're gonna kick Anthony and Danny out. Just be just me and you through the Giants pick. Once the Giants make their pick. I'm gonna head out, Justin. I know you like the Periscope, so you might stay on there. Bring Anthony or Danny back on. I don't know.
1: I Friday, I love I love I can live stream for five hours.
0: Friday night we'll have the, some of the guys back on, some of the John Boy Media people, and then Saturday it's gonna be a free for all. We're gonna have all kinds of people in there, and then Friday we'll have a, a podcast episode out. We'll have a YouTube video
1: out on whoever we draft. It's gonna be it's gonna be wild, Justin. I'm looking forward to it. I invite you to be there. I invite you to be at these live streams. I, I think they're going to be a lot of fun. And why we do what we do is not only to talk giants and we root for the giants, but why we do what we do is to build community and to to talk giants with you all. And I would love if you could be there. Even if you are a podcast listener who does not have social media, uh, you know what? Uh, make a Periscope. Make a Twitter. And create, a Twitter. Us and, create a Twitter. Create yeah. a freaking Twitter
0: and just follow us. That's all you need to do. Just follow us.
1: Follow like seven, seven people. That's it's like all all you need. There's like oh, seven awesome. of us, eight. There's ten. There's like ten important people at John Boy Media. So there you go. Follow, follow Honestly, all ten of us. screw
0: all the rest of them. Just us. Forget Whoa. everyone else. Just talking Giants. The rest of the guys, Jake, John Boy, all those guys, screw off. Yeah, we John don't need, Boy,
1: John Boy, has enough followers.
0: We don't need them. Honestly, it's it's all <laughs> John about Boy us. needs to share. It's all about us. All right, Justin, you got any final thoughts before we go into this offensive tackle class?
1: Um, you know, I, I kind of wish I did, you know, just, just know that giant, Hey giants did their due diligence, this draft process. I think we shared most of the significant parts of that draft preview. Cause I know not everybody was able to watch that interview. So hopefully we did. Hopefully we did that justice. This is an exciting conversation that we just had about the tackles. We're, we're biased. Bobby and I were kind of biased because we both are leaning I'm tackles. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, Bobby is the most unbiased human being ever. He's the first human being ever, fun fact, to not be biased. Fun conversation. Fun conversation where we break down, like, the top eight tackles in this draft. So, a lot of fun.
0: All right, kick to it. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, Justin, let's take a look at the position that the Giants arguably is the biggest need for them, and that's offensive tackle. The last position group we're previewing before this draft, hopefully we don't look dumb for not doing quarterback, and the Giants draft Justin Herbert. I, th- I think that would make everyone look dumb. Justin, and I have to start it off with the guy who has been my guy. The guy who shut down Kalevon Chasen, shut down Julian Acora, didn't give up any sacks. At 6'5", 315 pounds, Georgia left tackle Andrew Thomas, the train. He ran a 5'2", 21 bench press reps, so nothing special. A four six six shuttle, which was the best out of these core four tackles. In three years, he started forty one games, including fifteen at right tackle. His freshman year, the year that Georgia went to the national championship. The best thing about his game is his pass his pass blocking, and not just oh he's good at pass blocking. He has unbelievable recover uh, recover skills. So if a guy goes inside, Andrew Thomas is going to mirror him like crazy. He mirrors guys, and you can't beat him with speed around the edge. He, does, he has a great job of not oversetting but not letting guys beat him around the edge. He stays vertical in those sets. He doesn't open up his hips where guys uh, have that edge or he doesn't do it too early where guys can go back inside. He gets results, Justin. Now, people will say his, his feet cross up sometimes. Okay, but guess what? He got the job done and that's something that you can get better at. So I, I love the results. I love the ability. Like that recovery kind of stuff, guys have don't learn that for years and they, some guys just never figure it out. Andrew Thomas had it figured out at the University of Georgia. He's got great agility and space, which means going to linebackers and screen plays, and that's where that shuttle times comes into, into play. He's a mauler in the run game. He doesn't have the greatest technique in run game. He hits guys a little high, but he gets it onto his guy, and he mauls him, and he can get better at that. Justin, Andrew Thomas is offensive tackle number one for me. It's Wills is close, but he is offensive tackle number one for me.
1: Is he a day one left tackle if he's drafted by the New York Football Giants?
0: Absolutely. He is the one guy in this class where you draft him, and it's like, all right, Nate Soldier, start practicing right tackle snaps. All three of these guys, Wills, and it's not not because, like, oh, Wills is incapable. It's because he's played right tackle. Worf's played right tackle. Becton um, has experience at both, just like Thomas, but you don't know if he's ready for left tackle uh, day one. Thomas is the is the one guy in this class where you say you are left tackle day one. Nate Solder slide over.
1: Do you say anything different than what you gave in your evaluation to the people that say that Andrew Thomas is a better run blocker than he is pass blocker? Why do you think people have that evaluation number one, and how can you convince them to join your to join your side of thinking?
0: I don't get the scouting reports
1: on Andrew Thomas.
0: They just don't I, they don't make sense to me. How can you say he's not a good pass blocker when Calavon Chasen, who's like the number one edge guy after Chase Young, Julian Acora, who might be a first round guy, couldn't get any pressure on the quarterback. And they had a statue of a quarterback in Jake Fromm. Chasen had one time where he got where he hit Fromm. And they had like I said, they had a statue. So it's not like this guy was scrambling around and making plays on his own. Wasn't like it was Wills where he was saved from sacks because Tua broke tackles. So how come these, if he's not good at pass blocking, how come the best pass rushers couldn't do anything? How come he's got these great recovery skills where guys never beat him inside? I don't know what people are looking at with Thomas, man. I really don't. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's, if it was like him being over scrutinized because he was the number one offensive tackle for all year. I don't know. I don't know what happened from after the season till now where people are saying these kind of things. They just, they flat out don't make any sense to me.
1: For a total of 410 pass blocking snaps, he allowed one sack and no QB hits. That's uh, that's bananas. In the SEC, in the SEC, the greatest conference in college football, one <laughs> sack and no QB hits.
0: It's not like he was just going against Chase. He went chasing a core, and the rest of the year was, you know, a cakewalk. Like you said, it's the SE friggin' C. I don't know. I just don't understand what people are looking at when they say Thomas isn't a top five pick. He's not a reach at four. He is an awesome left tackle. Unless it's something that we don't see. Now, maybe he's not a hard worker. Maybe he's lazy. And maybe and so that's one of those things like us doing these pre draft and stuff. That's where we can we're limited because maybe he's an asshole. But just on the field
1: play, Andrew Thomas is number one for me. All right. Now, Bobby, I'm not disagreeing with you. Part of me is saying this because I want to be different from you, but also whenever we talk about offensive line on this podcast and during this draft preview month, I've prioritized technique, technique, technique. So my number one tackle and who I want the New York football giants to take at number four if we stay at four is Jedrick Wills from Alabama, 6'4", 312, Pounds in my plus-plus category. The way he travels and mirrors in his pass sets is beautiful. Call him Jedrick the Mime. You like that? The way he pushes off his left leg is explosive and effective. Remember, he is a right tackle. So in his pass sets, he's going to be pushing off that left leg. So the way he pushes off his left leg is explosive and effective. He gets a ton of depth from the start. It is powerful. Once he starts to take his first steps back you can see how his shoulders are square but his hips are parallel to his opponent across from him and why this combination is so important is because when your shoulders are square you are not susceptible to any kind of inside moves. But with your hips being parallel, you are ready to keep up with an outside rush. It doesn't look natural for a man to have his shoulders and his torso square, but his hips to be faced out towards like the sideline. It doesn't look natural, but that's the way it's supposed to be. And it's absolutely, absolutely beautiful because he's protecting both from that inside rush and the outside rush. You also rarely ever see him cross his feet or his feet get too close to each other. His feet are always square, and he sets an awesome base after his first and second step. I think Wills is the most agile and technically sound tackle in this draft class. In almost a career, 1,000 pass-blocking snaps, he only allowed one sack and five QB hits. That is insane. In my plus category, his punch is deadly and nasty. Wills wants to send a message, and he sends it right away. He is a bulldozer in space, and he finishes his blocks at an exceptional level. He protected Tua's blind side for two years. Remember, Tua was a lefty. Takes on double teams well in the run game and moves up to the secondary level on a consistent basis. In my minus category, being 6'4 is not ideal, especially if we do eventually envision Wills being a left tackle post 2020 and our left tackle post 2020 very eager to punch and sometimes can get him off balance and it gets him caught leaning if he gets beaten both pass in the pass and the run game it's because he is overextending overall i think he has the best footwork and the best technique in this draft class he exaggerates his movements and exaggerates his technique and i can still hear my father tell me as a former lineman to exaggerate my movements will's looks smooth for the most part, but at times he looks choppy and robotic, and that's because, in my opinion, he is exaggerating his steps and his technique, and I love that. I hope that he is practicing every day his pass sets as a left tackle, because if he's drifted by us, that's where his future most likely is, like I said, post-2020.
0: Yeah, he's a beast in the run game. He flat out malls dudes. He is very technically sound in the pass game, but like you said, he does over exaggerate sometimes. So sometimes he gets a little too deep into his kick slides, and he gets beat inside. And those like like I said with Fromm, where he was a statue in the pocket, Tua got away from some things. You know what I'm saying? When when Will's was beat inside. Now I'm not saying it was on a consistent basis, but and I, I don't want to nitpick just because he's not my number one guy. But yeah, he's a beast. I would be excited about him. I think he's very close to Thomas. Uh, is a lot closer than I thought it was going to be going in. He's a he's better than Thomas in the run game. Like he he is just a flat out earth mover in the run game. That being said, he hasn't played left tackle. He's been he was at Alabama where he has all this amazing talent around him with these great wide receivers. So it's like, okay, like I would have liked to seen what would have happened when he had, you know, maybe not a great QB or not three first round wide receivers. I like Wills. I would be excited for Wills. He's number three after Isaiah Simmons for me on my board at four out of out of him Thomas and Simmons so I don't want I, I like Wills a lot I don't want to pretend I'm, I don't want to nitpick I'm, I'm a big fan of Wills I think it's Thomas Wills and I think the other guys are I don't want to say at a different tier but they're not at those two guys level I would agree I would certainly
1: agree you're
0: going Wills over Thomas
1: yeah I have Wills at my top simply because I view him as a technician. That whole point where I emphasize how his shoulders are square but his hips are pointed out and how you're able to defend both an inside and outside move, I think it's absolutely beautiful. It's what you want out of a tackle. I think he's most technically sound. His feet seem to be that he has the quickest feet. If I'm going to preach being a technician, if I'm going to preach technique and how I evaluate offensive linemen, and I do not have Jedrick Wills as my number one offensive tackle in this year's draft and who I want in blue, then I think I'm a hypocrite, Bobby. So that's why he's my number one guy.
0: That What worries me about Wills compared to Thomas, where Thomas is like, okay, he can fix his technique, but he gets the job done. He has that recovery ability, where Wills is very technically sound, and I feel like he trusts that too much, where sometimes like, man, just just go out and, and be a baller. So I, I don't want to nitpick. Wills is a beast. I like him a lot. All right, next on my list. Who would be number three for me at six foot seven, 364 pounds out of Louisville? Mackay Becton. the guy who likes to cook too much, said an anonymous scout. How funny is that? That's freaking hilarious. Five one 23 bench reps, reps, 33 career starts between left and right tackle. Beckton's a flat out mauler in the run game. I don't think I've ever seen a prospect, at least in my the last five, six years, just maul dudes in the run game. It's, it's low key just funny the way he just demolishes, dudes. He's got a good initial punch which is a big part of that. He has the athletic ability with a guy like that, like he has the athletic ability to get to the second level. He has the ability to like stop speed rushers. He can get outside on these outside zone things. He doesn't seem like the smartest guy at least right away and you know part of that could be coaching. He would he didn't do great against stunts. He opened up a tad bit early. Not 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 huge. I'm nitpicking a little bit, but he did open up his hips. A little too early, not Nate's Soldier level, but he did it. Mekai Becton, he's not a finished product. The worry is is he ever gonna keep his weight in control? Is he gonna work hard? I don't know. Is it's one of those things where we can't know this about a guy, but just as far as a player, he's a mauler, he's a beast, he's got a ton of potential. He's better I think he's a better prospect than Brian McKinney and the Vikings. I went back and watched some McKinney until like I compare. And I think he's a better prospect. So if, if Becton puts in the work, there's no reason this guy can't be a left tackle for 10-plus years.
1: You mentioned the weight, and the weight has been the thing that has been on my brain the most because, sure, you can get away, especially at Louisville. I actually would have liked to see 6'7", 364 in the SEC. I would have liked to see kind of how that worked on a consistent level and if this guy is the, the the same level of talent like he's being evaluated right now because really... Outside of Notre Dame, not sure if the competition that he faced was that great. Number one, number two, in, re- in regards to his in regards to his weight, can he keep that weight down and can he keep that weight under control? Um, so that's those are two of the big question marks in, in my brain about the competition that he faced, his weight, and also his punch. Uh, I, I thought that for his size, he should have used his punch a little bit more in his past sets as well. I'm glad we both have the evaluation that we say that Becton is on like. A lower tier compared to Thomas and Wills because there are still people that are mocking him to the Giants and that kind of bugs me a little bit it's like are you actually watching how good Wills and Thomas are but Becton's good
0: don't get me wrong I I like Beckton. I'm I i would not complain about Beckton, but I do think those other two guys are another level and I try to not be too full of myself and being like I know that he's like but I just think Thomas and Wills are better you know we don't we're not scouts but so I wouldn't like freak out by from Becton, but I would be disappointed with Thomas and Wills there. You're gonna go to him and I'll let you transition. Who do you think's better? Becton or the guy you're gonna talk about in Tristan Worfs?
1: The guy that I'm gonna talk about Tristan Wirfs, I would have him ahead of Becton. I would. Okay. Explain. Tristan Werfs from Iowa, six five, three hundred and twenty pounds in my plus plus category. Insane strength for his size broke Brandon Sheriff's hang clean record on Iowa when he was only twenty years old, and this translates to film as he moves people in the run game and he is an anchor in pass sets. He wins because of his power and his athleticism, not necessarily because of his first step and base like Wills. When he is able to get his hands on you in the run game, you're going for a ride downfield, so buckle up. Incredible athlete, which we saw at the Combine. Not all linemen participate in the three-cone drill. He was one of them and performed well in it. His athleticism at the Combine matches what we saw on tape when you see him pull in space. To be honest, why I am one of the guys who would like to see him at guard, it's because he is so fun to watch when he is pulling and running in space. Utilizing his great mobility in space should be a priority for teams, therefore, Guard may be the ideal spot for him unless he can be a tackle in an offense like Arizona or Minnesota that runs an outside zone scheme. In my plus category, has experience at both left tackle and right tackle, has a ton of experience in general, and he has vastly improved year in and year out. His pass set steps are quick. This can be a good thing and a bad thing, but overall his footwork is above average. But what is more impressive is his ability to reset when it may look like he is going to lose his block and lose the rep he has the strength and the smoothness to do so in my minus category unlike wills worse feet have the tendency to get way too tight and his shoulders are not square with the line of scrimmage he sometimes plays high and his shoulders are turned towards the pass rusher which leaves his body open and vulnerable to attacks he had the strength in college to anchor down and get away with this but at the pro level this may not be the case Overall, the reps where his feet didn't get tangled or didn't get too close together, everything I stated in my plus and my plus-plus category, it remains true. However, I saw the reps where his feet would get too close together, and and that was enough to give me pause, because once you get into a bad habit as an offensive lineman, it is very, very difficult to break it. This is all to say... I love Wirfs. I think he has an awesome awesome career ahead of him as a football fan. I would honestly love to see Arizona draft him and he just mashes people in space in like that spread offense. Uh that would be truly an incredible sight to see.
0: Yeah. Worfs is very good. Uh I love his hand replacement. I think it like when guys get into him, he does a great job of like getting his hands off and then replacing them. Um, I know that's hard to explain through a podcast, but I like that a lot. I think he's technically sound i think he didn't he didn't face much pass rush in the big 10 especially with the way that Iowa ran the ball and when they did it wasn't great he was like the one good player that josh uche had a little bit of success against uh even though worst dominated him he opens his hips a little too much i'm telling you man i know people don't like this but worse is a guard to me he's gonna be an all pro guard i i think he can be that um following the footsteps of Iowa tackles and Brandon Sheriff and Robert Dowery, even though Robert Dowery was just not very good at all. I don't know. I just, I'm not trusting this guy at tackle. I'm not, uh, actually, I don't want to say that. I just, I think he can excel at guard. I think he could be okay at tackle. I don't know. Nothing about Worth is sexy to me. He doesn't make me like bang on the table. There's nothing about his game that makes me excited like the other three do. I don't know. I feel like I'm downplaying it. I've, we talked about it in our uh, talking sports mock draft. Check it out, by the way, a little plug. San Francisco would be a great pick for him, a place for him if he could go play guard there. And I I went and looked at some like what scouts were saying and stuff. Not scouts, but people who were like on the offensive line. And there's a fair amount of people who said the same thing. That listen, I think this guy's a guard, and I really do think that's where he ends up, Justin.
1: Yeah, there's some length questions in terms of his, his like his arm length, but you know, again, we're not we're we're not going to evaluate all that because we're like, we're not scouts. But it makes sense because play strength, he's an anchor, you know, doesn't have that the best. And now this is now this is my opinion. I see the feet getting too close together. And that, to me, you can get into a bad habit of doing that unlike a guy like Wills and unlike a guy like Thomas where their feet are always like their shoulder length apart from each other and they're keeping that great base and they're keeping that great balance. Worfs can get into a little trouble with that out in space, but as a guard, you can kind of hide that up a little bit. And he's also just he's great out in space when you get him moving. So I can only just imagine how fun it's going to be to see him pulling and to see him moving constantly instead of as a tackle when you're asking him to pull, you know, or when you're asking him to go out in space, it's for a screen or something like that. So I I'm I'm with you. Worfs goes to guard. What does your fire alarm like? go? Sorry. Um. This is the, just just inside info. I might have I might have been able to edit this down, but throughout this entire second half of this podcast, we've been dealing with this fire alarm going on and off in my apartment building. So I'm so sorry. I I think I've fire? been able to. I I'm so committed to talking Giants that I will die in a fire recording this tackle episode. All
0: right. Well, Danny, get ready because Justin might be dead uh, by the <laughs> time this draft starts. Uh. Alright, well we can you can leave that part of the alarm and edit all the other ones out. Next I'll try. Next next on my list is a guy who's not next on my list, but you have the guy who's next on my list. So I will talk about who is next on my list. And that's TCU, six foot six, three hundred and fifteen pounds, Lucas Niang. Niang. He started 13 games in 2018 and was very good at right tackle. Then he had a torn he had a hip surgery on a torn hit labor. Uh, he got, after seven games in twenty nineteen, so he was and he was playing hurt already. Justin I went and looked at his two thousand eighteen uh, game against Ohio State where he was going up against Nick Bosa and Chase Young did a very good job holding his own against those two like it was, it was really impressive. Now his pass sets are kind of sloppy, but he gets the job done and like I, like a big thing with this is keeping good proportion with the pass rusher where they're not speed rushing you but you're not also not oversetting and leaving the inside open. I thought he does like that's the thing I look at the most because it's hard to get a feel for that as an offensive tackle. He does a really good job against that and that's why he had success against Bosa and Chase Young. He's got a good hand strike in the run game. Um, he's a little slow, but he gets to the second level pretty well. We'll see how that, you know, translates to the NFL. Like Thomas, he protects not not like Thomas, but similar to Thomas. He protects very well from inside counters and that's a big part of that proportion thing. He doesn't overset. Um, injuries are the question mark here, but if Lucas Niang is a draft pick, if we don't go, if we go Simmons and then we get an offensive tackle in second round, and if Niang's the guy, uh, I'm comfortable with him starting day one at right tackle. He'll have struggles, but I think I'd be happier with him at right tackle than I would Fleming. That's more of an indictment of Fleming than it is pro Niang.
1: Oh. Burn didn't allow a single snap, uh, single snap, didn't allow a single sack in three years, 600 snaps in 2017, 800 over almost 900 and snaps in 2018. We have to start questioning
0: these stats because none of these offensive linemen ever gave up a sack. I don't know what's going nope. on
1: here. No, nope. never. They just never allow sacks. Why do you think they're so good? Nobody in this um, draft
0: gave up a freaking sack
1: nobody no i have i have a guy i think this i think this next guy uh might have might have given up a sack and i'll i'll confirm that for you but um josh jones your guy that you were that you were subtly referring to a a couple minutes ago before you were talking about Lucas Niang. So Josh Jones, University of Houston, 6'5", 319 pounds. In my plus-plus category, great natural athlete who moves well in space, was asked to pull a ton at Houston, and can be a great weapon in the screen game. Allowed one sack, aha, one sack, and zero QB hits this year in 325 pass rush snaps. Woof. Strong hands at the point of attack, some of the best hand placement and hand fighting ability in the draft class, has great timing with his punches as well, and even after the punch, he engages well and within the chest of the shoulder pads. In my plus category, improved every year of his career at Houston, particularly as a pass blocker, four-year starter, and four different offensive line coaches during his collegiate career. How do you like that, Bobby? Had an awesome senior ball, so insert Dave Guttman senior ball joke here. But seriously, he dominated the senior ball with highlight-worthy pancakes, and I'm surprised his performance hasn't been talked about more as a reason to possibly put him closer to the top four tackles. He is also quick out of his stance. In my minus category, footwork needs to improve. A lot, drastically. I can imagine the technique isn't great because he didn't have consistent coaching, but this is also a good thing because it may mean that he, hasn't fa- that he hasn't formed any bad habits. And because he has improved every year, he still has a lot of room for improvement. And why he has so much room for improvement is that in Houston's offense, we didn't see him run through that many pa- true pass sets in 2019. Houston emphasized their screen game and getting the ball out quick. So that's also probably why his pressure rate is so low as well. Overall, Jones is not being talked about enough. He is 23 and is probably not a day one ready starter, but if the Giants wind up taking, let's say, Simmons round one, I am praying Jones is available in round two. He is not flashy. He isn't going to wow you, maybe outside of his athleticism and space, but he is a guy who can get the job done and become a quality pro with good coaching.
0: I really like Josh Jones. He's closer to the top four than... I really thought he was going to be, like you said, he's got 45 career starts. He just flat out dumps dudes in his path sets, which is cool. Like if you try and bend that edge around him, he'll dump you. And so that's really good hands. He's got good lean. Like now he maybe you, you think he leans a little too much, but if you're leaning and moving guys, I'm not going to be too mad about that. You know, and he's got good hip movement. Uh, love how much he likes to run, like uh, with screens. He pulled a lot at Houston, which is surprising because Houston used to be, you know, that Case Keenum throw the ball seventy times a game kind of stuff. He stays really vertical and patient in his pass sets. I and he and he flat out just moves, due to I'm a big Josh Jones fan, honestly. Uh, if we go Isaiah Simmons at four, I am praying that Josh Jones falls somehow.
1: How about we live in a world where we take offensive tackle four? Josh Jones is available 36, Yo, people and we will double down. Jokes.
0: People will make the jokes about me only locking off as a lineman, but I would low-key really like that. <laughs> you know, Dave Galvin's show has not been afraid to double dip, so we go get Andrew Thomas and Josh Jones. We got our tackles for the next 10 years. Amen. Who's next on your list? All right, next on my list, and now we're getting to the guys that aren't ready year one. And I think we might start stop with this. I think we might just do eight guys. Let's if We're getting ready to the draft. Isaiah Wilson, another Georgia guy, six foot six, three 350 pounds. He ran a 5'3", 240, had 26 bench rest reps and a 5'07 shuttle, 24 career starts. Now, he's a hog mauler. He gets movement in the run game. He, he's, a, he's a mauler. He's not too, like, you see 6'6", 350, and you think, oh, he should lose some weight. But he looks his frame looks good. He looks like cookie cutter. He's got, like, clamps. He's got, like, like clamps for hands, dude. Once he gets his hands on you, you're not getting them off him. But against speed, it's, uh, it's not great. He gets beat around the edge. You can get beat inside. He's got issues. Um, Chase, like a guy like Chase on, like did really well against him. So he's got potential. He's a guy that has a lot of potential. But if he's starting year one, man, there's going to be some really ugly moments.
1: All right. My next guy is Ben Barch, 6'6", 309 pounds from St. John's in Minnesota in my plus plus category. Flowing red hair, rare to see those kind of locks from a ginger. But don't let the flow fool you. He has a mean streak, and he is explosive out of Long his stance. Long red hair as on well. guys
0: is kind of disgusting, to be honest.
1: But it's it, it works for him though. It nah. works. That's why it's in my plus plus category. It's, we'll see. It, it just works. <laughs> we'll we'll see. Um, converted from a tight end who also has shot put and track background. Wowza. In my plus category, a huge question of his is the level of competition he faced, and he answered that question at the Senior Bowl, performed very, very well. Um, Call me Dave Guttleman. Like, that should be my new nickname, Dave Guttleman, because of all the guys that I'm picking that did well at the Senior Bowl. Over 500 pass block snaps, no sacks allowed, three QB hits allowed. That's a lot of snaps in pass protection. Good hands, and he gets good depth at the snap of the ball with the nice ability to mirror pass rushers. In my minus category, made this god-awful smoothie during the combine, and it included eggs, Gatorade, peanut butter, and probably some kind of fruit. And the Gatorade was blue Gatorade, so it wasn't even, like, in stride with any kind of, like, a red berry. Also on my minus category, inevitably, St. John's, Minnesota, D3 school, so level of competition. um, And also needs to add muscle mass, only 309 pounds. Overall, if it wasn't for his senior bowl performance, then Barch would probably be projected to be much lower. But now, he may even be taken in the second round. D3 to the pros is an absolutely huge jump, but Barch's mean streak, athleticism, and good technique, it absolutely gives him hope.
0: You know, he was in my conference for college, you know that? The Mayak up in Minnesota. I don't know if the coach is still there. His last name is Gallardi. He was he's an all-time winning uh college coach. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, so uh we we beat them, Justin. We beat them. So suck it. Ben Barch, you loser at St. John's. You know what's something else they don't do? They might have changed this. They don't practice in pads ever. They don't? They don't. They do not practice in pads. The Gallardi guy started like back in the 60s, and he's kept it forever. He's an old fart. Like He looks like he's going to poop his pants on the sideline. So I don't even know if he's still there anymore because he was so old, and I mean, I haven't been in college in eight years now. Let me look up. St. John's Gallardi. Did he die? Oh, he's dead. He died in twenty eighteen. All right. Well, rest of So he's Go not already. coaching anymore. No. It's safe. <laughs> uh, you know, it doesn't say that he's not coaching, but I'm th- I think that's a safe bet. Well, we that was a booger at.
1: that was a that was a Booger McFarlane comment.
0: Ooh, I like the
1: guy it. is dead, therefore he is not coaching the football team anymore.
0: I wonder if they're practicing in pads, though. I don't know. Uh, all right, so let's let's cut it off there. There's some other guys like Ezra Cleveland at Boise State. Who's like a cookie cutter, like he has the best combine stuff, but he just doesn't really get the job done. A late-round guy out of Auburn, Jack Driscoll. reminds me so much of Nick Gates, where he's just versatile. You can see him playing every position on the line. There's some guys to be had. So I get the people who are saying it's deep, but you know what? Like, I'm not looking for depth at the offensive line. You know what I'm saying? I'm not looking for a deep offensive line uh offensive lineman. I don't want I don't want a good value offensive lineman, Justin. I want a left tackle. I want a starting left tackle for the next 10 plus years. I think that's what puts us on that side. Even though I am really struggling with Isaiah Sal- Isaiah Simmons versus Andrew Thomas. I really am struggling with that. Just any final thoughts. This is our last episode before draft day.
1: Any final thoughts? I apologize for whatever you might've heard. That is fire alarm related. I appreciate you uh, putting up with that. Now you're going to edit First, out most of that,
0: but it was, it's, it was chaos all episode. Honestly, Doug, you're not, you're not <laughs> going to hear all that. You'll hear a little bit, but it was chaos.
1: Yeah, so thank you for putting up with whatever you had to put up with. But also, I want to thank my 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 wonderful co-host Bobby. However, I'm going to be live commentating right now. My mother's about to walk into the door. The alarm's going to go off. But my mother is very very happy since she got the chance to talk to some firemen. No, there was no firemen. There were no firemen. Who was that? Sam. Oh, it was Sam. or So my mom's not happy. Super. Breaking news: My mom was not happy because she did not get to talk to firemen.
0: Tell her I said hello. All right. That's the show. We'll be back Thursday for draft day for our mock drafts. Some final war day thoughts. Make sure to check out Anthony's uh, mock draft YouTube video. It's out now. When you're listening to this, it is out. Um, Danny's uh, mock draft blog. Come out Wednesday. Check. Go subscribe to talking sports, by the way. It's a new podcast with myself talking Jacob, John boy media and Keith McPherson. We'll see you guys on war day on draft day. Until then. Let's go big blue.